Good people, thank you all for coming into another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. Yes, we are grateful <laughs> that you're building this space with us. Yeah. V, I really love building this space with you. I love the story. I love the reference. And I, I really love the idea that we are creating pathways for all of us to love more abundantly. Yes, I love the processing. I love the refinement. I love the love that we get to talk about and investigate and this episode will be no different. We ended our last one um, investigating what's occupying love's territory, but also defining what is love's territory, which is our being, right? Uh And I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell them to pull out their soul affirmations text and turn to page six, tap them with consent, let them know. (laughs) No, neighbor. And and it reads... uh, I am not bigger than love. Love is not bigger than me. In love, I live. In love, lives in me. I am love. In love, I live. And love lives in me. I am love. I am love. This is this is such a beautiful way to see ourselves. It's true. Mm-hmm. And I think I we, we talked briefly about the light in the last episode and how circumstances can work to dim it. And those same circumstances, adverse, can impact how we even see ourselves and see ourselves as being love. Yeah. But then, then as you talk about that light, though, we know that we believe, but we know that love is the vehicle by which light transfers. Mm. Right. So if we are able to create new perspectives for our loved ones by showing up in love so they can see more of the situation, more of the circumstance, more of themselves, Mm -hmm. right? The work I really want to dedicate is helping create visibility Mm -hmm. for folks to be seen, for folks to see themselves differently so we can see one another differently. Mm. I will, in fact, see someone differently if I'm able to see myself wholly. (laughs) But the lens I'll use to assess someone else or see someone else uh, can be informed if I don't see myself totally. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can impact the way I see the world around me. Yeah. Yeah. So this visibility, this connected work, right? love is, it connects us. Yeah. It says, I am not bigger than love. Love is not bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In love, I live and love lives in me. Love lives in me. Mm-hmm. I am love. So in, in this exercise and this affirmation, We are seeing that love is being described as something not separate of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when it's not separate of you, that means it's in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are just trying to create more room for love to have room, but it's already there. And if it's already there, that means we are deserving of it. Mm Mm-hmm. We're deserving to give it to ourselves and deserving to give it to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. But it's so challenging sometimes when I'm in proximity to neighbors 
who believe that someone is less deserving of love, <laughs> um, whether it whether it's by their actions mm-hmm. or whether it's by their presentation of self, mm-hmm. we determine and make these evaluations on who's deserving of love or who's most loved. Mm. And to me, that's just a little antithetical to the full power of love. Mm-hmm. Like if we start becoming selective with who deserves love, it undermines the power of love. Right? Love is greater than that. Man. It's greater than... Uh, some selective course on who gets it more mm-hmm. because of the way they present or the mm-hmm. way they don't present. Mm-hmm. 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 Man, I, I, the way it presents, the way it doesn't present, what does love look like? I've been asked this question before, um, but n- not in a generalizable way, more specific to how does your love look like with me? Like, how does, how do I experience love with you? And one of the ways that I could best describe it would be, well, one, I say it's revolutionary. Um, It's a revolutionary love that sees in circumstance rather than in judgment. Say that again. Kariga's love for me looks like seeing me in circumstance rather than judgment. He does not compare my differences to anything else. You know what? It is understanding that love, how we define it, right? Love's territory is my being. He sees me in my being. When I asked you to say it again, (laughs) I had to work so hard not to interrupt you because I didn't know you were talking about my love. I thought you were talking about love. Well, and and I think that I think that is that. Respect, but I just want to make it clear for the listeners that I wasn't trying to hear a compliment (laughs) twice. I really enjoyed your perspective on love, and then I realized you were talking about me, and then suddenly, right, I got like on-air nervous. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, but it's okay. It's okay. I mean, this is open and transparent. Yes. I'm just really, I'm really particular about the way I show up for you in love. Yes. Um, I've worked to learn how to do this better. Um, I had to develop a pathway to you after asking for your hand in marriage, after marriage, after you said yes, there was still so much work for me to learn how to love you um, because you were, in fact, growing and changing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in a conversation we had on our uh, live, our Instagram live recently, we talked mm-hmm. about intimacy through inquiry hmm mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that process i think is so critically important um now we're talking about intimacy particularly so we'll talk about that facet of love mm-hmm. but to make it very clear this practice of love also includes non-romantic relationships yes and we believe that romance can definitely be increased by a healthy practice of love yes but it isn't in fact that we're talking about romance when we're talking about love exactly uh, so I'll, I'll I'll clarify that a little bit when we go forward, but talking specifically to this idea, developing in this intimacy through inquiry, whether we get to know ourselves intimately or we get to know our partners intimately, mm-hmm. I wanted to get to know love intimately. Mm-hmm. So I inquired of love. Yeah. And uh, 
in my music, you might even hear me inquire of love. In fact, I'm going to do y'all one better. <laughs> what you finna do? My grandmother's 87. Yes, she is. I was at my mom's house working on some rhymes. And my <laughs> grandmother comes over to me and pulls out her notebook. <laughs> so first things first, y'all have to know that my grandmother is the first writer in the family. Okay. Uh, and she made it very clear that she was supporting her grandchildren in their education because she was not given the same opportunities to pursue her education growing up in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. But she was always a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she has this notebook. And in one of the notebooks, she asked this profound question. I have a photo of it too. What does love require of me? Ooh. She asked this question and I remember how I felt reading that she was inquiring of herself about love. And I said, this is some serious inside work. What does love require of me? Wow. Was a question she asked herself. That frames for me so much about this inquiry process Mm -hmm. and that to truly become, um, more versed at a thing, we should ask questions, right? Uh, pose questions for ourselves, for our loved ones. But this this inquiry for me taught me how to love you. <laughs> it wasn't about me loving you according to the love that I thought um, you should have. It wasn't about me loving you according to what I thought love looked like. Mm. But this would be truly loving you to an extent that was fulfilling to you. Mm. Now, I'd been doing this, I would like to think, all along our relationship and our marriage. But grief was this invitation for me to love to a depth that I hadn't known previously. Mm. A friend of ours shares that... uh, she wrote to us, right? Grief is the deepest love. Mm-hmm. And when I saw those words, it empowered me. I wasn't just a victim in my grief, but in fact, it was an invitation to a new dimension of love. And in this new dimension of love, I would do intentional work and deep work about silencing the pressures of the world, silencing the noise of the world, silencing the ways of the world so that I can more intimately attend to you because to watch you carry our child for 41 weeks to remember the groans of your labor I can remember the lighting in the room I can remember the scarf that I use to relieve pressure off your hips I have all these memories But I also knew that you would be requiring a love that I haven't seen in the world yet. What I believed was I was capable of being your partner in love through it all. That this would not break me or break us, but that I was capable of becoming one with love to become one with you. Mm. So grief grew me tremendously. Uh, And I'm grateful for the lessons that grief taught me about the practice of love about that oneness with love. Mm -hmm. But what happened in the grief, I also 
started to understand that, yes, while I loved you this deeply, while you were deserving because of our loss, I couldn't segregate who and who did not deserve love. Hmm. I was either going to love fully Mm -hmm. all of God's creations or I was going to pose as if I knew who was deserving of love and who wasn't. The only person who would be shortchanged by that practice was me. Hmm. If I am trying to choose who deserves love and who doesn't, it's interrupting my experience with love. This is why I said it's revolutionary. This is some revolutionary love, man. You just, it, you just, you just can't. You don't. You don't play with it. You don't. Uh, you don't try to manipulate it for your good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't try to manipulate it for your self righteousness, or even like you said, like just loving what is like us. Oh yeah, or just loving what is like us. <laughs> that that notion to me is underdeveloped at truly what love is. If mm-hmm. you only love what is like you, or you only love a likeness, <laughs> to me it it's a deficit of the full capacity of love, and that sounds more like nepotism mm-hmm. it sounds more like the easy way out because love oh, that's it but that's real easy because yeah, the other <laughs> the other the other half of love right when we talk about loving totally and um and in, in our, with our fullness then we talk about loving what challenges us yeah right and i you know not too many people like that conversation <laughs> hell i'll tell you right now some days i don't like that conversation <laughs> right because it's like loving what challenges me i'm not i'm not there right now mm-hmm but the truth of the matter is you don't have to be there right now. You just pursue it. Yeah. It's it's the practice of love. Yeah. That I'm so grateful to come here and do. When you bring up loving what challenges us, I remember you saying that that particular affirmation, what page is that on? I'm not going to read it, but just for reference. Uh, love as a philosophy is much easier than love as a practice. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's page 16. We we talked about that, right? And I understand from reflecting on it and asking you, okay, why do we why do we affirm this that this particular affirmation comes from being challenged by your students. <laughs> right? So you no got greater. You got you got these stu- and we we I brought up different examples. We've talked about it. I think like I said, Korea's one of his first instances of having to love what challenges him is Dre Day on his desk on his very first day in the classroom, kicking off papers, punting papers, and beating his chest and stomping his feet. Um, but there have been other instances, right? And even when we were working at- Not to cut you off. He, no. was, be- he was beating his feet, he, not stomping I'm him. sorry. Thank you, baby. DC. He was <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate him. that. You know, I didn't work in the D.C. public schools. <laughs> but yeah, just being challenged by- by stu- uh, man, a child will challenge you. A listen, child listen will challenge you, but are they not deserving of love? Ooh, I, what a perfect example! And what's a? I mean, you could ask this to parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could ask. Ooh. I mean, and we got we got plenty of examples. Ooh, I can bring up a parent or two. <laughs> we got plenty of examples right now. Parents <laughs> being challenged by their children, right? <laughs> the idea is this. That's a very fine place to start, right? The way your children require of you mm. to see beyond your preference 
mm-hmm. right? And to love them totally. Uh, and are they not deserving of are love? Are they not? So the question then becomes, it's not whether they're deserving or not. I think we're finding a new essential question. Am I capable of loving through this challenge? Ooh. Right? Am I capable of showing the love that I want to through this type of challenge? Because the truth of the matter is that's really where the deficit starts, right? Yeah. I can't love you the way I need to right now. That you ever um <laughs> you ever you ever had your uh, parent need to take some time away from you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to laugh because I don't want to know what that's like, but I remember my mom <laughs> would have to take time away from us. And now I'm thinking oh, about it like, yo, that's, that's scary, right? And I think about our, our lovely sister, our Chanda. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, listen, my baby sister is one of my favorite human beings in the world. Ooh. To know me is to know that. All right? You can't. It, that's yeah. just, that's Kariga, just Kariga that's my still girl wears, forever. He still wears a button. I her wear preschool. Her, her preschool button. That was my G. <laughs> first things first. That's why I first learned how to do a ponytail. <laughs> Seriously, I had to learn to do my little sister here so I could go play basketball. <laughs> so shout out to Chanda. I love you so much. Who has three incredible, amazing, beautiful, talented wow. girls. I mean, they're phenomenal. Wow. And when I think about that experience, wherever you are, Chanda, however you hear this, I just want to shout you out for... Loving those babies the way you do, your babies the way you do, mm-hmm. um, day in, day out, when it's hard, when they challenge you um, by yourself. I just have so much respect for how you love, uh, for how you're growing in your love. And now I went from laughing to really understanding like, oh, it's real. It is real. Our children, the children, my students young people, usually people who are different than you (laughs) at some observable intersection. They will be different from you. But we know that difference doesn't mean deficit. It doesn't. Difference does not mean deficit. In fact, in the landscape of love, difference is all often something that can help you love more effectively. That is the connecting point. More deeply. More deeply, when you can love across difference, yes. you find out how expansive love is. When you can love across difference, you find out the power, the true power of love that it can unite and cover and hold. And something I think makes sense, I w- want to make clear really quickly. Yes, I love black people. Yes, I love um, to make room for black people and black life and black children. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love being around us. I love our rhythm. I love our smiles. Mm -hmm. I think about the Black Joy Parade, (laughs) right? And what that feels like in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And the love that I have for Black people is because I believe all people deserve that love. But the world still happens to act like they don't know how to love Black people. So I make it my duty to love in the margins first. Love for me looks like loving in the margins first. Mm. It looks like going to the least of us, the left out and the looked over Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. to make room for them. But it doesn't mean I love anyone else any less. Right. And to just be very clear, 
when you are love and love is in you, as the affirmation reads, it becomes such a hassle to live outside of love. It becomes an ex- a genuine expense to live outside of love because you know it's a detour that you have to somehow make your way back to love, mm. right? Mm-hmm. This is the this is the challenge for me when I experience racism. This is the challenge for me when I experience media headlines that try to dissolve the role of racism in hate crimes. Oh, right? Man. Like and I I'm trying to keep this balance between speaking for what's true and guarding my peace. Yeah. It doesn't feel good to have to keep pointing out when you know those who are on the side that isn't love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good to keep pointing out their behavior because we know they're doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like the statement alone that exclusively says stop Asian hate, for me, um, it under investigates the role of white supremacy. Yes. And I have a challenge with simplistic statement like that that absolves and dissolves the role of white supremacy uh in the hate crime mm-hmm. right so for me though i'm saying that when i feel myself feeling this way i know it's a detour from the frequency of love that i really want to live in mm. i'm not afraid to confront those feelings i just know that, that is not where i stay yeah so each time I have an interaction with something that is not displaying love, such as white supremacy, damn, that's just exhausting. It's got to be, ex- hey, y'all, it's got to be exhausting <laughs> to practice white supremacy. It's rooted in falsehoods. There's no science or accuracy to it. It's just got to be exhausting to live that way. <laughs> it's inferiority. It's exhausting for me to think about the way you behave under white supremacy, much less have to live under that doctrine and philosophy. Mm. But here's what my challenge is when I experience that. I'm going to make it very clear, too. It's not about like, oh, how do I love the person who caused harm? No. It's how do I not let their behavior take me off a path of love? When I'm on this path of love, I can recognize that everybody is deserving of love. And I can also recognize that I am not fully capable of knowing how to love Mm. through this challenge yet. Mm -hmm. But it does not mean that I create a statement that says you're less deserving of love Mm -hmm. because I know love is going to be the only thing that bring you to yourself to reconcile with your choice behavior and the harm you caused. A hardened heart won't do that. A prideful heart won't do that. Mm -hmm. It's going to require love to experience the empathy that helps one reconcile their own choices or their own guilt. I know what it's like for somebody to be full of pride after they caused harm. Mm-hmm. I was in the courtroom looking at the man who took my brother's life. And I watched what presented like pride to me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be honest, you know what else I had to think about? How many times my students couldn't apologize publicly. Mm. How many times they would choose pride over acknowledging their harm because they don't have the ability to form the words to take responsibility for their actions publicly. So they will choose a cool pose. They will choose this pride. They will choose this pride because it's at this point, it's gotten them this far. 
Why would I try something new now? My pride has gotten me to this very day that I'm in. Crash or burn. I've been rolling with my pride and I'm not willing to release it. Mm. So I know that the gunman who performed that hate crime in Georgia, Mm. I know that he's deserving of love. I understand that I'm not capable of loving in that capacity yet. Mm -hmm. But I know that love will be the only thing to strike the moral conscience Mm -hmm. of a hardened heart. It's the only thing that can penetrate a hardened heart. And when that love happens, empathy, connectedness, and you recognize the extent of your harmful behavior, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about this is his path to reconciliation. No. No. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying specifically that in a society that hides and protects white supremacy and affords it the descriptor of just having a bad day, it will require something deeper, something bigger for his moral conscience to be called present. And the only thing I know that has that power is love. You can't beat someone and make them own their actions. Nope. That's not the way you get to a hardened heart. You can't get to a hardened heart by anything you do physically to that body. Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a real hard. That's one. a hard one when it when you are on the end of it. Receiving when, the harm. Yeah. Yeah. When you got when you're holding the rage. Without a doubt. That, that is some the thing that I can promise our listeners is that if you ever had the chance to act on your rage, it did not create the freedom you thought you were pursuing. You can take it from someone who has been there. Acting fully in the power of rage does not create the freedom that you thought you were pursuing. It's often quite the opposite. When you come down from the high of that rage, Mm-hmm. After you just cause the harm mm-hmm. and have to make essentially make peace, make understanding with your behavior, it's just more work that takes you further away from the practice of love. <laughs> so mm. I really make it a duty to not let white supremacy <laughs> take up my space or my day. <laughs> Especially on places called Black Love. Okay. First and foremost. Um, but the the black love isn't separate of love. It's the courage and the know-how to love black people. Something the world keeps acting like they don't know how to do. So yeah. we come here to model how to do it first. Mm-hmm. But it's love that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And all of us are deserving of it. All of us. All of us in the black experience. Because it is so multivariate, especially in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, white supremacy will try to group us and make us like one type of black, right? This is, this is black. But Ooh. no, that is, that is not true. And Black isn't monolith, mm-mm. but our freedom is. Mm-hmm. Right. But our freedom is. And that's the complexity of it all. Mm-hmm. That we are not all the same, but it will take these things irrefutably for all of us to be free. Yes. Right? And until we are free, we ain't free. Man. And so in that reminder, difference does not mean deficit. Oh, no. 
difference does not mean deficit. Mm-mm. It is in order for us to live under the promise of love. Mm-hmm. I can tell us all, myself included, that we're going to have to learn how to love across more differences. Mm-hmm. And to see ourselves in our circumstances rather than with judgment, mm. rather than with comparison compared to our psyche of processing. Mm. compared to the things that we've only seen our limited experiences of what we've seen. When you, I need you to say the part about seeing ourselves in circumstance rather than judgment. Mm. I want you to say that again, because I want to tease out something that happens often. Okay. In our psyches. Yeah. No, we have to, our love has to look like seeing ourselves in our circumstances Understanding that those circumstances inform our choice behaviors rather than seeing ourselves in comparison to one another or even with judgment. Mm. We do not all have the same lived experience, though we share the experience of being black in America. And um, I will, I mean, Mm. I don't know if this is correlated exactly, but I I had this, I was reminded of a, a picture I had seen on uh, Instagram, somebody had posted a picture of these young black boys. They had their shirts off. They're standing on the corner. They're sagging. They jays is on. They, they're throwing up whatever it is that represents where they are currently residing in, their hood, their sector, that block. And I recall seeing all of these comments that said what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And it the comments are themed with judgment. The comments are themed with comparing them to whatever standard that they have afforded themselves by which they think black people should ascribe to. Ascribe to. The comments are flooded with a misunderstanding of where they're actually standing on that corner. Mm-hmm. And I remember just seeing it in having worked in schools and being challenged by students mm-hmm. and understanding that what those challenges feel like and and when I'm comparing them to my lived experience, how I may perceive them, having to be mindful of that. I wrote like, no, I love these young, I I love them. When I see them, I love them. And I love them because they're deserving of love. Nothing else matters. Mm. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I believe there was a great um, poet who wrote Nothing Even Matters, I believe that was the great <laughs> D'Angelo, <laughs> Lauren Hill, the great poets. The great poets. But um, no, nothing, none of those things matter. When you talked about seeing us in circumstance and not judgment, it made me think about the word grace. Mm. And if we could introduce the word grace into the practice of love mm-hmm. um, and patience, mm-hmm. because sometimes seeing in circumstance might cause the brain to think about when you were in that circumstance Mm -hmm. and -hmm. then you weren't attempting to judge, but just that quickly the brain went into judgment because you compared it to when you were in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to list a a path of what somebody needs to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) to not be in that circumstance. Right. But then it turns into judgment instead Mm -hmm. of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that we can start to use statements like, look, I identify with you on these experiences. Mine may have been different, but this is where I identify with you. Yeah. 
right? Um, start identifying with one another rather than telling folks that I was just like you, right? And here's what you need to do. Yeah. Because just by virtue of time and space, the science, the irrefutable science of time and space, you are not, in fact, in their position. <laughs> you are not, in fact, in their position. Yeah, no, you're missing some variables. There are some variables missing. They're unknown that you cannot see. There's unknown, <laughs> but then there's also the irrefutable science of time and space. Man. And the path from gangbanging in 1996 may not look like it looks now. Come on. Right? The path of separating yourself from the folks who are pulling you down might not look the same now with all this virtual connectedness. Yeah. And how young folks could be struggling to separate themselves from those identities or those practices that aren't showing up for love for them. Mm -hmm. So all I'm asking is that we become a little bit more patient and our practice of grace uh, extends as we start talking about love. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to pull up on a part of love, the conversation now. We had enough episodes where we start embedding some of the other values that helps us love more abundantly because I can say with all sincerity at the end of every episode mm -hmm. um, so that we may love more abundantly. But I want to start laying some tools so that we can love more abundantly. So just so you, every listener out there knows that when you hear me talking about love, I am in fact talking about this embedded sustained grace and this embedded sustained patience. That's what helps us love more abundantly. So I want to get to the place where we start bringing those into the practice. Because without patience and grace, I'm telling you, the brain is going to accelerate into judgment and comparison. Mm, which is a natural thing the brain does. Yeah, it's, yeah you're not wrong for doing it. Hey, it's, yeah, we're not judging you for doing it. It's okay. The, it's, 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 listen, it's how we know a hot stove, right? Yeah. It's how we know a hot, like all these things we learn as data input sensory when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Touch it. Is it hot? Is it hot? Mm -hmm. Is it hot? Mm -hmm. And you realize what's too hot for you and what's hot enough for you and what you can hold. Yeah. So the brain is doing this comparison naturally all the time. And I'm just saying that that natural tendency for the brain to compare interrupts our process to love more abundantly. Yes. Yes. Man, I was going to say something from there, but I, I, I forgot my train of thought. I was going to, I was going to wrap it right with it. Um, in terms of how processing happens. But I love what you are saying about bringing those other parts, other pieces um, of love, how that shows up for us. Absolutely. And I found an affirmation that mm -hmm. I wanted to share with you. Um, if you would touch your neighbor, remind them to grab their book, touch them with consent. I got consent. No, you don't have consent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, turn to page 60 and you will find be patient with yourself. It takes time and deep breathing to see the bigger picture. Mm. I'll say it again. Mm. Be patient with yourself. It takes time and deep breathing to see the bigger picture. Ooh. I took a deep breath just so I could see it more. Mm. Be patient with yourself. It takes time and deep breathing to see the bigger picture. If we are committed to knowing that it takes time, time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and deep breathing to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. If we're committed to knowing that, it equips us to have a latency on our judgment or even a grace with ourselves on our judgment. It doesn't make you um, less of a human being if you are practicing judgment. It just makes, it just decreases your 
your ability to have empathy and to connect. Mm. But be mindful to yourself that if you are, let's just say like, you know, you have a tendency to judge. Take that deep breath and remind yourself that I know that this makes sense, but this isn't the pathway to love. Right? Love and judgment cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Love and judgment cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So you'll have to ask yourself, right, how do you make more room for that love? And I always laugh uh, because there are ways to challenge this. Um, <laughs> I do it especially around food, right? <laughs> like, do you love it? What do your taste buds say? Your taste buds are judging it, right? <laughs> but we'll leave that for a later conversation. But I really just want to invite us... Um, to that practice of deep breathing and patience so we can see the bigger picture. You'll be surprised what we can learn um, when we are not weighed down by judgment. We love y'all. Massive love, abundant love. Yes. If, may we all love more abundantly. May we all love more abundantly. And if you are interested in continuing to refine and understand the practice of love and what it looks like, uh, with us, we ask that you come back, rate, review, follow. Follow. Yeah, get on board. follow so you can not miss out on anything. I like the practice of folks who have been DMing us with their questions or their thoughts or feedback from a show. Yes, please um, do that. Please keep that up. I love being able to um, create an experience that includes your inquiry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to keep you connected. Thank you. Peace, good people. Peace.